Today is Thursday, November 3rd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 485 featuring the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Hey everyone, welcome to November. It's crazy, I know. We're weeks into the new NBA season and uh, it feels like there was never any offseason, right? Now we have real stories, real stuff to talk about, and that includes still Ime Udoka, the story that won't go away, although it seems like maybe he is pretty soon. We'll get into it. Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, we're always here and our special guest today, who I think the last time that he joined us, which was not that long ago, by the way, Email Doka was still the head coach of this team, and that is Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe, good friend of this program, good friend of CLNS, part of the A-List podcast as well. Gary, how are you, man? Good, guys. How's it going? Good. Uh, listen, we, the, the, there's lots to sort of a lot on the bone to, to chew on as it relates to the Celtics and their four and three start. I promise to the people out there, we're going to get there. And if you're just tuning in, you don't want to hear about email. Fast forward a little bit, and we will talk about the team, but we're going to start with all of this email stuff. Uh, you've been writing about it. Your colleague Adam Himmelsbach has been writing about it. I thought he had very, very interesting comments from Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown about email with uh, respect to, you know, obviously what's going on with, with these reports, this seeming inevitability that he's going to land with the Brooklyn Nets this season, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, you know, to start as, as the head coach of this team to replace the, uh, the, the, the parted, you know, parting of the ways with Steve Nash. He was fired. We all know how that went down. And so Eme now is going to be taking over this team. Mark is saying, this sucks. I, I don't understand it. How do we, you know, this guy led us to the finals last year. How are we letting him just go to a chief competitor? He's good enough to be coaching there, but he can't coach us. We wish he was still here. You know, Jalen saying some facets of the same thing. And I, I get that, you know, they, they love him. They respect him. He's, you know, as, as I think one of them said, you know, he, like he's their brother. He's their friend. He's their, you know, all of it. And, and they're happy for him on one hand and disappointed that he's gone on the other. But I, I hear, or I read these comments and I think a little bit, Gary, that, you know, I don't, they love Joe Missoula, the man for sure, but do they love Joe Missoula, the head coach? Does Joe have total buy-in from his players or is this sort of a cloud right here? I think it's just uh, kind of a level of confusion at this point. Obviously the many of the players, and I don't know all, don't know what exactly happened. And is it up? The question is, is it up to Brad and Wick to pull these guys into a room and say, these are the violations that um, Udoka committed. This is why we did not want him back. This is why he was suspended. This is what happened. Do Are they owed that? And I think they are. But then there's also a level of, you know, legal issues that go on here. Um, are the Celtics allowed to talk about anything? I'm sure during the negotiations with Coach Udoka, lawyers were involved, and I'm sure the Celtics were not allowed uh, legally to reveal what was in that uh, investigation and exactly what he did. They could They could describe it, but they couldn't detail it uh publicly so 
there's, I think you have legal issues here. And I also think, okay, let's say you say, okay, well, let's tell the players, but tell the players not to tell anybody. Like, are they not going to, are they not going to tell their agent? The worst nightmare, the worst case scenario is Shams or Woj having details, according to the Athletic, according to ESPN, or even according to the Globe, these are the details of what was in the investigation. Like, you know, because we've all been waiting for more detailed information on what happened and we haven't gotten it. It's been five, six weeks now. So I think the Celtics are just trying to, I think they're legally bound to not saying anything. And I don't know if they trust their players uh, because these guys do have relationships with their agents. Mm -hmm. What if they tell their families? Do they not, you know, do you, (laughs) do you like, uh, Bring them all into a room and then do pinky swear, you know, pinky swears that you won't say anything to anybody. These guys are going to tell their girlfriend, they're going to tell their wife, nothing. Like, so I think there's a level of like, we want them to know, but we can't have this information circulate publicly. It might ruin Udoka. And I'm sure Udoka's representatives during the negotiations when they were figuring out the suspension said, you can describe violations of team policy, relationship, whatever. No, you're not going any further than that. So that's why I think everyone else around is like, well, what do you really do besides have a relationship with a coworker? Who doesn't, you know, everybody, a lot of people do that. But <laughs> I think that there's more information that can be revealed and probably should be to the players. But I don't think the Celtics want to go down that legal road and get their asses sued off for revealing this information. Cause all it takes is someone, cause remember guys, you have NBA reporters involved and now you've got TMZ, you've got all, cause you know, he, he was dating and has a, has a son with a high profile, you know, actress. Um, so you got all these people like clamoring for information. So, um, I think the Celtics are just being very, very protective, but they're going to have to say or do something because it's it's a concern. Six weeks later, when those guys are still like, we don't know what happened, and so nothing has been set, told to them, or not they don't have peace of mind. So yeah, I understand them being a little bit upset. I understand them being like, oh wait a minute, you're not even going to ask for a draft pick, like. You know, obviously the Celtics want to be done with Ime Udoka. Like mm-hmm. I just whatever it whatever it was, okay. You hear rumors and you have people hitting you up and oh, this is what I heard he was doing. But whatever it was, besides the relation inappropriate relationship or the relationship with the coworker, they don't want him back. And I think this says that. Do you think the players just again? I'm going off of Marcus and Jalen's comments. Do they genuinely believe that after all of this, he was going to be back? Or is this just something you say in an interview? Because I don't think any of the three of us ever thought he would be coaching this team again. No, I didn't think he would unless, uh, you know, unless it was like a really poor season. And and I think they like Missoula. I mean, obviously he's got some um, some things to, to work out in terms of his style. We can talk about that later, you know, the – refusal to call timeouts when we all can see that that's on the list yeah the play is like they're getting it's a concern teams are making you know 
So a 6-0 run turns into a 14-0 run when you could have stopped it at 6-0. But um, I think they like the direction the franchise is in. They like the positivity. They believe that the players are buying in. And I just think to bring him back next year and be like, okay, like, you know, he still has a lot of ex- explain, explain to do. Um to the Brooklyn media, if he's hired there, you know, this is not, he's not going to Minnesota or Charlotte or Indiana. He's going to New York. They're going to ask. They're going to be paid six. There's going to be all these people there looking for information of what did you do? You're going to ask. You must be keeping that calendar open. I bet you're going to be there. Of course. Of course. And the question is, does he do the, I made a mistake and I have no comment or does he do what, I felt like I did, and we had there was a disagreement in my actions, and there was a confusion there, and I felt like I was wronged. Now, I don't think he'll say like he felt like he was wrong, but I'm sure he'll attempt to not say downplay. I don't know if he'll just be like, yeah, I was out of control. It's been six weeks, so you're in control now? Like you've, you know, the therapy sessions – all of that ended it ended last week. You're 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 cured from you know from your off the court appetite. So anyway, I think that the players are buying into Joe, but I also think they probably haven't had closure. And when you force when you don't have closure, you know when you have to when you have to create your own closure, that's a difficult and long process. It's not going to be six weeks. So this lack of closure, lack of clarity kind of to this whole issue and this, you know, to the players in the locker room, to to many people who've been following the story. And this is not me saying, like, we are owed the details. I, I think they, to some degree, are. And, like, I'm not. I just, you know, I'm curious like anybody else, obviously. But, you know, the reports have just been so all over the map, so fascinating with all of this. And Woj, you know, to his credit, was one of the first people at the very beginning of this thing to say, don't rule out the idea of of Ime not only coaching again, but coaching somewhere else this year. Like, that could happen. And then you have Matt Barnes, obviously, who's, you know, kind of in the media, I guess, saying, like, he may never coach again. Like, what I've heard, like, this, he's he's done in this league. And so, like, that's sort of the 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 range of of opinions, of reports, and everything that we've heard about this. And and based on what is out there to this point, it makes you at least wonder, and I'm not saying it is, it makes you wonder, has Boston overblown this thing at all as an organization? And I don't mean morally or ethically, because again, I don't know what went down, but professionally with respect to Udoka's career to even suspend him or suspend him for this period of time or let him go without compensation, as you talked about, to just want him off payroll and to be done. Is it? you know, have, have whatever these transgressions are been potentially, you know, is, is this at all short-sighted on Boston's part, given that this guy took you to the NBA finals last year? You would think that's a question to ask Adam, but I also think he led you to the finals. It's worked out. They must, I don't, they, I don't think they want to get rid of him. I, I just, I don't think that they were like looking for an excuse. They're not coming off Adam, a, you know, 500 season in a first round elimination where there was like, you know what, this wasn't working anyway. And now he's acted up. Let's, let's make a move. Like, mm-hmm. I think they really, really wanted to keep him. I think there's a high level of disappointment in the organization because of the faith they put in him 
and uh, the power they allowed him to have and how it was eventually effective and how, um, you know, they were two wins from a championship. So I don't think that it was, I don't know if it was overblown, but I do think when you don't give any information, it leads for people to think that it was, especially when Brooklyn is like, oh, we'll take you, you Mm -hmm. know, an organization that has had, you know, ridiculously amount a ridiculous amount of upheaval from last year to this year to last week to yesterday. Like <laughs> that's a mess. So I do think that shows the desperation of the Nets because I mean this is a situation where you know you have you have women involved, right? And you have discomfort amongst the organization for women. Like they do the women in the next organization, are they going to feel protected? Do the Celtics, women in the Celtics organization feel protected? Um, you, you know, this was something that is far more than just basketball. This wasn't, you know, and I'm not downplaying, like this wasn't like a DUI or something that was personal, mm-hmm. right? Like a, uh, like he did harm to himself. Right. He could have done harm to someone else, but luckily he was stopped before he got to something like that, where it was like, misconduct a personal thing mm-hmm. this is like relationships conduct with women superior subordinate all these issues that come in and especially in these days and times where um women thank god are fighting and getting more power and in, in being able to say hey i'm not comfortable with how i'm being treated or how I'm being approached, or how this person is speaking to me, or the physical, uh, you know, putting your hand on my shoulder, or whatever the case may be. They have the right to say that now. 30, 40 years ago, they didn't. You know, they were just, they were told to keep working, and they were told that's the way it is. Men will be men. Like, that doesn't happen. That's not the case anymore. So, this is serious. And if if I'm the Nets, it I don't know, five weeks, you know, they got enough good information yeah, that in five weeks they're question. ready to roll. That's my question. How do the – this is the – what makes all this even more complicated is that the Celtics – this is bad enough for the Celtics to say, we don't want anything to do with this guy. We're going to put him on suspension for a year just to – as a placeholder until we figure out everything that's going on, right, until, the, until we can really piece everything together. And the Nets, within – I don't, you want to call it an hour? You want to call it two hours? Went from, we're firing Steve Nash to Emay's the, the leading candidate to be the new head coach of this team. Like, how, how does that happen, Gary? How, how, or is it just one team saying, we don't care about the optics? Well, because, I mean, you can make the case that that's don't care about the optics. Is it one team saying, we don't care about the optics, we're just going to do this anyway because it's best for our, our basketball team in the season that we're trying to have? Or has this been in your mind, Gary, been brewing up for a little bit and, and the Nets been hanging around in the background? Yeah, I think I think they've tried to vet vet him, done information, probably talked to him on many occasions and asked him, like, hey man, what's and I'm sure they they're gonna tell him, listen, you may you got one strike. Like, you know, I'm sure he'll sign some type of personal conduct policy um that he'll have to adhere to. Um but I also think it's a sign of a general manager and Sean Marks is trying to save his job. Like Sean Marks 
was supposed to be this wonder kind new GM that was going to get the the Nets, you know, he was going to push the Nets to the top, you know, the San Antonio pedigree and all this. And remember, he does know Eme from those San Antonio days. Mm-hmm. So he was supposed to do that. And he signs, starts off by signing Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And then every, and then it's just been a disaster. You give Steve Nash a job, who's never been a head coach. Um, you pass up on Udoka. Um, you know, like the things that he's he's trying to save his job. And I think that the Nets are desperate as they have been for the past decade for recognition. They're desperate to compete with because it's still a Knicks town. Regardless of what the Knicks do, New York is still a Knicks town. Nobody cares about the Nets, like outside in New York, pretty much. As as Brian Lewis from New York Post reported, like six thousand season ticket packages. That's it. Like, you know, lowest like the second lowest in the league. Like, you know, the Nets are cool when they're winning, and it was it sounded like a cool idea to move into Brooklyn, but they've been a disaster in terms of making that Garnett Pierce trade and mm-hmm. trying to run trying to trying to use Pierce and Garnett to run with the Heat, you know, and and, and ro- roll with the Heat in thirteen and fourteen. That wasn't gonna work. And then the rebuild, and they were, you know. Trying to, you know, they, they they got D'Angelo Russell and they got all they drafted well and they were getting guys and they were playing hard and you know they went to the um, first round under Atkinson and then Durant comes in and goes, no, nah, you need to get rid of this guy and they bring like it's just it's a mess, you know, because they want star power but the star power the stars have controlled things and the player empowerment has gone haywire. It's still the case, you know. You wouldn't touch Kyrie Irving with a ten foot pole in your in, for your franchise, mm-hmm. and some teams probably wouldn't touch Durant, not because of his talent, but because he's just been so surly over the last few years. So, I think there's a le- level of desperation, but I also think they might have gotten some clearance or gotten some some reassurance that what happened in Boston was a one a one off something that won't, won't happen again, and two. Hey, agreeing to with Udoka, like, okay, Ime, like, you're going to not be able to have no relationships with anyone in the organization. Everything's on the up and up. We will have someone watching you. Like, it could it could be a lot of conditions here, you know, like a like a guy when you sign to an extension or a contract where you've got all these like stipulations of of you know how you can get make your money. You got to play in a certain amount of games. You got to you know. Uh, make it all start like there's probably a lot can't, of you can't play Call of Duty, you know, can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Wear a chastity belt. Yeah, you you gotta you gotta be. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of conditions to this hire. Um, but if he says he's ready to follow those things and says, "Hey, you know, I made a mistake," but it's been six weeks. I mean, you know, that's the thing. It's not been six months. It's been six weeks. Like, how has he improved himself? We don't know. What has he done? And therapy is usually not a month. Yeah, like, man, one of the biggest things, I, I don't know if I had an issue with it per se, but I, I sort of have an issue with, with the way some people attacked Joe Missoula for something he did when he was in college, right? There was a little bit of flack out there for the Celtics hiring Joe Missoula after he's had some some troubles in his past when he was a college student. And to go from 
And, and, and Joe has done some, some things throughout the rest of his career to try and amend for that. And he's talked about that. I'm with you. How, <laughs> what has the guy done in six weeks to, to, to reinvent himself, to be a better person? If this, if the violation is so bad that the team that just went to the NBA finals with him, and again, he is a hell of a coach, period. The team that went to the NBA finals, then that transformed their team into this really tough, great defensive team with two budding stars on the team and Jason Tatum taking the mega leap to the first team all NBA last year to say, no, we want nothing to do with this guy. I just have a hard time feeling that you've been uh, rehabilitated in that amount of time. And we're, and then we have people out there that want to give Joe Missoula a hard time. Like I, I, I just have, I have a problem with the way that's been handled. I think, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but it's just, I, 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 I at some point, Gary, the, the information has to come out. So, we again, you talked about closure a little while ago. And, and I almost feel like it's uh, – there's so many things involved. It's very sticky, very messy. But there has to be some sort of closure to this thing so we all can move on collectively, correct? I agree. You would think. But then you get the legal situation going on. You get the – you know, the Celtics don't want to be sued. They don't want to mm-hmm. be sued by Udoka. They don't want to be sued by the – person that he was uh you know he was in a relationship with i mean they have to be very careful with this i think they've been told to do that um you know and they're in a sticky situation themselves now the question is if you're celtics would you have asked for compensation hey i need a first rounder you know or two second rounders or whatever i need something for my you know what do you do or are you just happy you don't have to pay him anymore and now you're paying you know, you could try to figure out how to work a, a deal to make Missoula your permanent coach, if that's the direction you want to go in. Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions here, you know. Um, and I said, like, there's so many things out there, but, you know, the Celtics have to relate, at least relate to their players. This is what's going down. There has to be better communication between the organization and the players because you don't want Marcus saying what he said. Gary is, I, I, I bring this up because Jalen Brown entered into the conversation and talking with your colleague, Adam Himmelsbach is race a factor in this, in your mind. <laughs> I, I'll just say this, like, I think there's a level of shock among those of us who are covering the league who are black, that a black coach could mess up so much and come back. This is like, Bobby Petrino stuff. You know, this is Rick Petino stuff here. You know, this is usually reserved for a college coach. Usually black coaches don't get a second chance when they really, like, they don't generally get a second chance when they lose, but they don't generally get a second chance when they mess up off the floor. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, I think race does play a part because I think that there was kind of an assumption that, one, Ime is going to have to really wait his turn to come back, and two, other young rising African-American coaches are going to be vetted very hard now for their past and their personal lives before a team takes a chance and hire. That still might happen. You know, that still might happen. Um, but yeah, I do think race does play for, I don't know if it's over racism, but there's a level of, I think that black coaches have to deal with like what Charles Barkley said years ago, the only time a black coach gets a job, the team's terrible, you know, uh, Jamal Mosley, Chauncey Billups. You look at the coaches that 
take over. Okay, this place is the best. Fix it up in two years, or you're fired too. Like you know, um, so I do think there's a level of kind of like wow. Um, it's interesting that Udoka did air, has made his mistakes public, and now it, six weeks later he he's a coach. Where in other professional sports, you know, Eric Bieniemy, you know, still can't mm-hmm. get a head coaching job with the Kansas City, you know, or Byron Leftwich. Uh, we revert to the NFL. We see all these uh, managerial hirings in baseball. No blacks, uh, still no blacks in the World Series. Obviously, you know, it just tells you much about baseball with all these, you know. But you know, guys can can continue. You know, white managers and white coaches can continue to mess up. I mean, I I can just only think like Andy Reid's son just just literally got jail time for a DUI. Nothing, no one judges Andy Reid over that. Like his son literally like harmed permanently hurt a little girl DUI. He got gets three years. Was Reid even asked that in his press conference this week? Like, nope. He's getting ready for the Chiefs. Uh, he's getting ready for the Titans game. Like, no no one says anything. You know. Or we can go to locally. I'm not talking about messing up, but you know, Steve Belichick can can get a you know be have power in the organization because he's Bill's son. Like, did Steve play in the NFL? Did Steve? You know, like you know, what I'm saying like it's just a mm. general good old boys network. So I think Jalen's reference that like I'm surprised and pleasantly surprised that a black coach who made a egregious error can be brought back and will be allowed to coach again because a lot of us did not think it would happen so fast. Obviously I think there was a level of he'll coach. I don't know what Matt Barnes, I think I know what Matt Barnes was referring to some of the rumors that I don't know are true, but I don't, I never thought, Oh, he'll never coach again. I thought it would take a year or two, but I, mm-hmm. I do think race does play a, a factor because, uh, historically there seems to be more of a um a harsher scale on black coaches throughout sports than there are white coaches are you you know you gary washburn nba columnist and reporter still digging into this story like you just talked about some of the stuff that you've heard that you know you don't know if it's true we've all heard stuff that maybe it's true maybe it's not are you still you know is this a story that you're even interested in breaking or is this just so deeply personal and, and sort of off topic that it's like, I'm going to let someone else take this one. If, if, you know, all these details are ultimately going to emerge anyhow. No, something you still pursue. Yeah. As a reporter, because the question is, who is this man? You know, like who did the Celtics exactly hire? Like who is Ime Udoka? And I think that's the biggest question. And he's going to have to, like, he was a very, um, you know, I've covered a lot of coaches over my years. Ime was a very private, personal man. He was not a friendly guy. Like, you know, wasn't mean or nothing to that effect. He was just he standoffish. Was yeah, you know, he's just about business. Mm. You know, how you doing? You know, you guys saw him in the media. He, he joked here and there. You know, he was not like Missoula. Is you see it? it his personality starting to come out. Uh, Missoula's more open. Like. Ime was a serious dude, which is, which is fine. I know, you know, we all can be serious at times, some more serious than others. Most of the time, Yudok was a serious guy. He was no nonsense. 
He was just focused, you know, but, and, and people thought, wow, that's really great. You know, that's why he's here. That's why he's, you know, was a top candidate. That's why he's in. And so you, you see that guy that I worked my, like, that's the thing that we are all, we've all been asking us. Like, you work as a black coach, you work your ass off to get to this level. You didn't have a great NBA career. You know, you're not, you're not, because that's the one thing, you know, if you're a, a black coach and you didn't, you had an average to below average career, or didn't play the chances you coaching are not good. You know, mm-hmm. Deion Sanders is going to get, probably get a power five job, you know, because he had to go to Jackson state to, to do that. Steve Nash never coached a game and got the Brooklyn job. Like people don't under, do you understand like kind of the sure. disparity in that? Like oh, yeah. Steve Nash was helping out with the Warriors. And then, hey, Steve, here's the Nets with Kyrie and Durant and then James Harden. Hey, handle that. You're, yeah. you're smart. Like people well, don't versus understand. someone like a Patrick Ewing who's been, you know, yes, who couldn't get an NBA long? job. Right. He's yeah. not doing great at Georgetown. Right. It's a tough job. Georgetown now is not what Georgetown was in the 80s or the early 90s or whatever, but it's a tough job. But yeah, he's not doing great. But like the thing is, is that you look at E-Man, he worked his ass off to become from a journeyman player, you know, a first first generation American is, you know, Nigerian father gets this job and then loses his mind off the floor. Like does some stuff that like not even guys who and 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 I, I said this before, like we all know like he's not the we can go to the Red Sox and see what what uh Francona was in the streets. We all know Francona was hanging out at bars and stuff, not like crazy, but yeah. people know where Francona was going. I sure. we all saw Francona out when he was managing the Sox. We all knew what John Farrell did. Like, you know, that, that that's, you know, that's, this is not anything new, but like the person you were with, like this, he kind of lost his mind. And people were like, mm-hmm. how the hell would you work so hard? Okay. And you're not getting hired by Charlotte. You're not getting hired by, you're not Jamal Mosley in Orlando. Hey, Jamal, we got a bunch of freaking lottery picks, including Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, and Markel Fultz. One dude's been out for two years. Mo Bombo's a bust, and Markel Fultz is, it can't shoot. Like, turn us into a playoff team, and he's—they're going to be okay. You got Banchero and say, but like, that's the kind of job, you know. Or hey, Chauncey, go to Portland, where you know we're we're, we're about to blow this thing up, and mm-hmm. now Portland's playing better. Like, he got a prime job, and then you blow it off like this, so going back to your question about yeah like who is this man what is he about what's what's what makes him tick because obviously it's not just basketball and so that's the mystery i think that with Ime Udoka and that that's what he's going to have to change i think in brooklyn he cannot be that like i just keep it business private i got no like i don't talk about my personal life i don't like yeah that was cool when you were in Boston <laughs> and people thought that you were just like all about hoop. People know now you're not all about basketball. You got, you know, you, you got, a, you got another side to you. 
And so I think, yeah, that the story of who this man is, what the Celtics hired, where where this come from is definitely an interesting story. Um, you know, then I said he's a private man. He's a man, you know, he's not a bad, like a good guy. I've never, I have one issue with, with Coach Udoka covering him at all. Um, it was just, you knew he was a serious dude. Doc, Doc could make you feel like a million dollars. Doc, oh, hey, hey, my man. Hey, well, you know, you see Doc, you still feel good. You know, yeah. you see Doc now, and he, and, hey, how you doing? He makes you feel, he makes you feel twice as good as you did before. Mm-hmm. That's Doc. You know, Doc's Doc's a talker. Doc's a good yeah. guy. Doc's, uh, you know, oh, he's a media darling, Doc. Yeah, he, he sometimes he might stress the truth, or sometimes he might, you know, BS you a little bit. But that was Doc. Brad was dead serious. Brad, Brad lived up to everything that he was. Family man, serious about basketball. There was nothing. Uh, you know, there was nothing about Brad that that he didn't. This is who I am, and we still. This is that's who he is, right? Mm-hmm. I'm dead serious. No, I don't have this like bubbly personality. Uh, I'm about my family. My wife's my agent. Um, I'm here to help the Celtics win, and that's what you're going to get out of me. Um, and you know, there's some playful sides, you know, he, he, mm-hmm. joke here and there, but Brad was all about never, nothing different than what he portrayed publicly. Um, e it's different. So I think people are going to be like, well, who the hell is this guy? You know, and people, I'm sure people who know him are like, man, I don't, I'll be the, hey man, I, I don't know. I don't know this is going down. Like, and, and you got other coaches who are like, man, how would you, how do you gonna blow it like this? You know where you are. You're in Boston. Mm-hmm. You're coaching the Celtics, a landmark, benchmark franchise. The Lakers, the Celtics. You know, if you want to say the Knicks, okay. You know, um, you know the Bulls or whatever. Like there's a, there's a handful of franchises that are, you know, storied. And this is what you do when you get the you lose your mind. So. I, I do think there's a mystery there and he's going to have to open up. Things are going to have to change like this. This is the New York media. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's got page six on his tail now. Yes. He, well, Nick, you know, well, Nick Friedel's going to be there. He does he in Brooklyn, whatever he does, like don't go out. Like, you know, he's going to have to change. And, and will he admit, Hey, I got to change no more nightlife. No more, you know, I'm about like, I don't know. Like that, that's a good question. Does, does he think he needs to change? Does he think guys that he just made a mistake in judgment of who he decided to, to, to have a relationship with, but the Celtics overreact. Like, does, is he, is that what he's telling the Nets? The Celtics just lost their minds. Like I, you know, I, I wasn't really at fault. Like we were fine until they found out and then they went crazy. Like, is that yeah, what he's I'm, telling I'm in an open you? relationship. Nia didn't care. Yes. I'm I'm yeah. single because right. I knew that during the season. Like, like everybody wants to put him in mid. He's not married to Nia Long. And, and we found out during the season that he wasn't, they weren't in a relationship. We found that out. It's nothing for me to write. I'm going to put, oh, well, in my Celtics notes, I'm going to put, uh, I'm going <laughs> to reveal um, Yudoka's relationship status. It's none of my business. 
it doesn't affect his job, right? Well, it, we, we thought it didn't, but yeah. you know, <laughs> um, you know, like so that's not that what like we heard that, and I heard that during the year. You know, oh, that's oh, why doesn't he come to more games? Like, like, I don't think they're together. I think they co-parent, or it's one of those. It's complicated, which is fine. Coach can have that. I mean, there's been coaches with with other with completely other families. So you know, I mean, I mean, there's been coaches with with, who've had who've had you know, you know, the wife and the mistress. Like this is Mm -hmm. this is nothing new, but but I also think is that you got to you're going to have to open yourself up here and is does he feel like he needs to all these questions will be will be answered i'm su- i'm sure in in coming weeks if he gets his job i only have one more on email but in transitioning it to basketball the uh, you talked about it like you got a surly moody kevin durant you have kyrie irving who you know his interest level is always in question he may or may not be an anti-semite and now you have this distraction obviously with Ime Odoka. is he good enough you know a, a, a good enough head coach based on what we saw last year it's the one year sample is he a good enough head coach that that he can even come in and, and solve you know the the nets woes anyhow to to put them where everyone feels they belong in the eastern conference no, because I don't think they have the personnel. Other, than, I mean, they can they can outscore you, but they got to stop somebody. And so I don't know if he's going to bring the best out of Ben Simmons. I don't know. I don't know what happens there. Um, they just don't have enough personnel. And then we'll see what happens when they get T.J. Warren back, if that ever happens. And Seth Curry is still hurt. Joe Harris is coming off a year off. Like they got a lot of question marks. But I mean, they could be a you know a playoff team, and they could maybe get to the second round, but. I don't see that resurrection because he doesn't, he doesn't have the athletes. And I'll say this about, um, I'll say this about Kyrie Irving. Um, I, I think that I don't think one, I don't think Kyrie looked at the movie that he was, uh, he retweeted. Okay. I think that movie, and I haven't seen it, but, uh, but reading the reading, cause it's on Amazon prime. Didn't he say he did watch it? I don't, I don't think it's, it, first of all, Adam, the movie is two hours, sorry, 220 minutes. Like that's like three hours. Yeah. That's he's watching that. that. It, it, it is a, it is a, it is a chore. Okay. It is, and I'm, and it's I, the Irishman, but less interesting. Yes, it is. It is, it is like binge watching. So um, it is a long movie. And secondly, I think that what people don't understand, and maybe this is just the 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 lack of, I don't say I don't want to say compassion, of understanding. It sounds like coming from what I've learned that Kyrie has embraced black nationalism. Okay, he has embraced the Muslim religion. He has become more leaning toward black nationalism. This movie was supposed to kind of show that black the black man, the black person was the original person on earth. Now, I don't know how, like, you know, I've read some of the lines that were quoted Hitler bad, you know, like terrible. Okay. So I can't speak for how anti-Semitic it is. Although the Hitler thing just, you know, that's, that's not just, great. Yeah. That, that's a slam dunk <laughs> right there. That's anti-Semitic. Yeah. Um, but instead of just saying, listen, like, I just want you guys to take a different point of view on who is the original man on earth. Because knowing 
some people who are black nationalists, knowing being familiar, not familiar, like personally, but having family members or having friends, like there, there's, there's, there's like Asiatic uh, black men, people that think that we're Asiatic. There's people that think that blacks are Jews. Like there's a lot of beliefs. Okay. Um, and obviously, as you guys know, there's a lot of different religions who believe the, the origin of the earth is different than, you know, there's the evolution people. There's people that don't believe that we dinosaurs ever like there's all types of beliefs. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can call people crazy. You can call them misinformed or whatever. If you just are saying you just want people to get a different point of view, then just say that as opposed to getting defensive. And that's mm-hmm. where I think Kyrie um, probably erred. And I'm not saying he's right. He's, he's, he's made a lot of mistakes. He's, you know, and he gets utterly defensive. And I can't say how anti-Semitic this movie was, although I'm sure it was um, in terms of, of some of the, the quotes that I've read. But if he just said, listen, I didn't watch it, but I just want people to have a different point of view and learn something different. Because there's a lot of books of Black nationalism. There's a lot of books on how a lot of things happened in this world that are, you know, that you can buy at certain bookstores that are, you know, could be viewed as offensive, um, you know, or they could be viewed as educational. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it all depends. Um, and, you know, are they offensive? I'm sure some of them are. Um, you know, there are books that are about uh, slavery that will have N-words all through them. You know, is that offensive? Yes. Would it be, would, would, would it offer a different, pers- I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So I think Kyrie Instead of just saying, listen, I just wanted people to see a different point of view. I don't support this, but it sounds like it's something that I, I am going to watch. It might have solved the problem instead of him getting ultra, ultra defensive. And I think he's going through this personal metamorphosis in terms of black nationalism, in terms of, you know, that he's ultra defensive, especially to people who aren't black. And so, uh, he's going through a change and that's what I think he needs to explain. Not saying like, like I'm going through a change, but like you could just tell the native American and then suddenly, you know, he's observing Ramadan things that, that I don't know if other media pick up on Mm -hmm. and think, okay, like he is going through and, 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 and there was a lot of athletes uh, in the 1970s who embraced Islam who changed their name, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who did, went through religious kind of metamorphosis. Um, and I'm not blaming him for that or saying, you know, if he wants to be Muslim, that's fine. You know, he wants to go by certain rules. and But one, don't offend anybody. Two, don't be, don't embrace anything anti-Semitic that's ridiculous and that's, that's racist. Um, but I think he needs to explain himself better, but I think he gets uncomfortable when he's questioned. And that's what that whole thing went. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, if he just did a one-on-one interview with some, if you want to talk to somebody and just say, listen, this is, this is, this is the perspective I have. I don't, you know, people don't, might not agree with me. And I don't think people have to agree with them. I don't think we agree. All, we all agree with each other's religious beliefs. We all are, are on the same page. 
there's a healthy respect we have for each other. This is like someone's political beliefs. You're not crazy about someone's political beliefs. I not be crazy about, or you were raised in a religion that taught you one thing. I was raised in a religion that taught me another thing. So I'm going to say you're wrong. Or you're going to say I'm wrong. No, we're just going to agree to disagree and have a healthy respect. And maybe even learn about and educate ourselves about what your perspective is and you about mine. This could be a teaching moment. But Kyrie, instead of doing that, decided to, you know, get defensive and then say, you know, deny that he was promoting it and, and, and that type of thing. So it's just, it's a touchy subject. And I think it's more, it's not as black and white as, oh, he's anti-Semitic. I do think that the film was anti-Semitic and had anti-Semitic references, but mm-hmm. I don't know if Kyrie either read the book because it was a book in yep. 2015, and it was a movie in 2018. Did he really read that? And was he, or was he just trying to say, this sounds like a movie that you guys, my followers, need to need to check out? Is that promotion? I don't know. I, I do think it's partially promotion, mm-hmm. but um, I also think he probably didn't watch it. Well, unfortunately, it's sort of the whole like, like the people who I don't know if people still do this, but the people who used to put in their like Twitter profile, like, you know, retweets are not endorsements. You know, when you're when your brand is as big as it is, is that of a professional athlete and in particular NBA players and you have as many followers and and whatever Twitter, Instagram, everywhere else, you know, it and and you put something out there and unless you sort of qualify it as this is not an endorsement it's just assumed to be one and that's yeah. you know fair or unfair that's just kind of the reality of the world but all right we've, we've done a lot on this let's take a quick break tell you about our good friends at bet online of course basketball is back has been for a few weeks now bet online your only place your number one spot for all your sports and betting needs you'll always find the latest odds team matchup info player news game trends you name it at bet online uh, continued source for all your sports wagering information bet online features live betting free contests live scores giveaways all season long at that uh, the idea of Russell Westbrook being traded if he's not the sixth man of the year all of a sudden. I saw that, you know, Darvin Ham talking about that last night. Uh, the Pacers are the leaders in the clubhouse at plus 150 to land him. He'd love that. Uh, the Hornets plus 200, the Spurs plus 300 as well. I, I just don't see him, uh, over there for pop, but maybe it could happen. Coach of the year, Joe Missoula. He's not the favorite, but he's in the conversation, even at four and three right now. Fifth best odds plus 1000. Uh, bet online always features the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And of course, uh, NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, you name it. Head to betonline.com, uh, betonline.ag, pardon me. Join, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code CLNS50. Again, that's CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. I got an idea, guys, about 45 minutes in. Let's talk about the Celtics for a few. They, uh, they're four and three, as I mentioned, and sort of Gary, like I, this is just where my brain goes sometimes. You know, in an alternate universe, they could be seven and oh, right? I mean, they've lost two games in overtime. They, they blew a 19 point lead against the Bulls in a game that they lost. Like they, they could be undefeated right now. It doesn't mean they're perfect or anywhere near perfect. They have issues. We've, we've documented some of them off the top with the Joe Missoula lack of calling a timeout. And there are obviously injury concerns, you know, not having Rob Williams has contributed to inability to close games late or, you know, stop opposing big men on the other side, the issues on the glass. 
defensive issues overall, which certainly, you know, last year, number one defensive team in the NBA by a wide margin this year, they're a, a bottom 10 team and, and that might even be kind the way they have looked so far defensively. So how much of this is just, it's early, you don't have Rob, you're adjusting to a new head coach. So don't sort of get lost. It's all a little bit overblown. They'll figure it out versus real concerns to you right now. Yeah, I think there's concerns of the defensive lapses um, and some of the just what I saw last year, like, you know, coasting when you're up. They're up 66 to 54. They look like they were in total control. Cleveland couldn't hit a shot. And then here comes that. And then and we can go on the Missoula timeout thing. Then suddenly it was a quick four nothing run. Then it was a six nothing run. Then you're like, okay, you could see it. They've cut the lead in half. It's 66 to 60. You still have control. And then what happens? They score, they get within, they tie it. And then Missoula calls a timeout. I think it was a 10 or 12 0 run. And then suddenly Cleveland's back in it and they never, they never gain control of the game again. Like I think, that the defensive lapses are a concern to like what the hell were they doing with Garland in the first quarter? Like they just let him get real comfortable. It was his first game in two weeks and they just let him get really comfortable. And then what happens? He drops 14 or 14 points in the first quarter, 17, and then finished with 29. He didn't, he didn't dominate throughout the game, but you just got him comfortable. You, you fell behind by 11. Like you just, then you had to call back. And and then Mitchell took over when it counted. Um, I think they've played a team right now in Cleveland that's felt good. So I, two overtime losses. I'm not going to be like, oh, they're 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 a mess right now. They easily if if that foul is called on Tatum's dunk, they might win that game. Um, if they make a couple of plays in the in, a, in last week, um, you know, if Tatum hits that shot or Jalen hits that shot, you know, we're at the at the buzzer we're talking different, you know, the Chicago game, I felt like the bench let them down. And I just think that the bench has got to improve. Like Brogdon was really bad in the third, in the second half. Like he couldn't, I mean, turnovers, missed layups. He, he, he had a couple of shots uh, after that, but I just think altogether, they're just still trying to figure it out. And the defense has got to improve. And then Missoula has got to review when the hell do I call a timeout? Because that's like the second or third or fourth time that's happened. It happened in Chicago. It happened against Washington when they cut a 51-27 lead to 11 by halftime. Like 51-27, you jump on them. You you try to extend it to 30. You put them away. You do not let, you know, you make sure we don't lose this sizable lead. And I thought they had Cleveland down 66-54, then Cleveland started getting the ball in the paint, and then here comes Mobley. They were 66-60, and I thought, perfect time to call a timeout. You see the tide is turning, you know, but he oh, let them play through it, and it's just like the Celtics aren't good at that. Maybe other teams are good at playing through it. The Celtics aren't one of those teams. They let runs be runs. Um, so I think that it's a, some reason for concern but, you know, but the schedule doesn't get easier. Chicago, then the Knicks, then Memphis. You know, then they got a couple with Detroit and whatever, and then Denver comes in. So they got some challenges. But I think they're okay. But I think that they got some definitely some, some improvements to make. Yeah, I feel way better 
now than I did last year, obviously, considering uh, last year where they went two and five to start the year. And I thought the defensive lapses last year were even worse. Um, last year, it felt like just a lot of miscommunications and guys getting beat back door and, and you know, uh, guys getting open looks at the rim. It was, like, really frustrating. Some of the, the, the defensive struggles have come, you know, because, A, some teams are hot. Like, you know, I, I go back to that Chicago game. DeRozan hit a bunch of really pull up, you know, tough twos, like with guys contested in his face. And that's DeMar DeRozan's game. He just hits tough shots like that. Like it's you're just going to have to tip your cap sometimes. They've done a good job, you know, protecting the rim for the most part. You know, they've got, they've done a good job, you know, forcing teams to take shots that they want them to take. Part of that is, you know, some teams make shots, but some of that is, you know, they, they do, they don't communicate all the time. But I do feel better about just the overall general direction of where this team is headed. Tatum looks focused, you know, for the most part, right? Jalen Brown looks focused. Um, The team makes sense. And obviously without Rob, you you can see where, okay, if Rob's here, this is a little bit different, but you're also banking on Rob being 100% healthy. I I just feel, again, four and three after seven games against, and I'll be a pretty tough schedule to start. I mean, they've played a lot of really tough teams. So it's not like they've they've been beaten up on Orlando the entire season. They've been playing some, some teams that have playoff, either aspirations or that like Cleveland is really good. Like there, that's a really Mitchell has been exactly what they needed um, to, to help out Garland a little bit. That's, that's going to be a team that's going to be at, you know, a top four seed probably by the end of the year. We'll see. But, you know, I think Boston learning a new uh, a, a going through an, another first year head coach with this team, it's, it's going to take its time. Um, I've been more pleasantly surprised and I've been disappointed. I guess I'll say Gary, I'm not, I'm not quite sure if, if people are with me or not, but I, I think it's hard for me to look at this team and say, yeah, like there's some things I have to work out, but I, I like my general overall feeling at the end of the day is like, this is there, there are good bones here, right? Like last year coming off the nets to disaster in, in the playoffs, not open the season. Well, with the, the high hopes of being a good defensive team, they weren't good defensively. Like at least this team for the most part, like their offense is really good. Like offensively, they don't seem to. I mean, yes, teams do struggle, but offensively, they seem like they know what they're doing most of the time. They get good shots. They, you know, they they're getting to the free throw line a little bit more. Tatum's taking a leap. You know, they're doing a, a bunch of stuff better offensively. So, I, I think there are things to tune up, fine tune as as every team has. But I I don't foresee like this team will be there at the end of the year. I, I you know whether they're a top two seed, we'll see. But I, I feel very comfortable saying that the Celtics player there will be a top four team in the East. I'm not really. I'm not sweating that at all right now. I don't think it's a hot take though. Yeah, I um uh, I'm, I'm I'm with you. I think uh, I think they'll be fine. I think they're a good team. I I think what's interesting Gary about the Cavs though is so this is a team that coming into this year I think that like pe- people around the NBA can just sort of hear Cleveland Cavaliers and and you think like post LeBron Cleveland like sort of a dumpster fire. There's no talent there and you know, they're not a team you got to take seriously. And then obviously you look at their roster and you think about what they did in surprising a lot of people last year. And all of a sudden you start to hear the, well, they might be one guy away and, and they're, you know, they're, they're more than plucky up and comers in the Eastern conference. And then they get Donovan Mitchell as Evan outlined. He's just been a revelation for them since coming over, you know, from Utah. And now you watch these two games, two overtime wins in which he has exploded in both against the team that, Last year was the class of, of the Eastern Conference, at least, uh, you know, in, in, throughout the playoffs anyway. Say what you will about the regular season. But in the playoffs, you know, this was the team representing the East, the Boston Celtics. And the Cavs have now beaten them twice in a couple of narrow games. And, you know, I, I 
coming into the season, I would have put them as a top four or five team in, in the East. So it's not like they're, they're blowing my mind. They were always, you know, right there in the conversation, but doing what they're doing so far, six and one, I think to this point after that latest win, you know, are, are, is this a team that's more than holding its own? Is this a team that you, that you can confidently say like, man, like they could come out of the East. Like they could, they could, you know, forget the Celtics, forget the Nets, forget the Bucks, the Sixers, if the Sixers put it together. Like this is a team that could actually emerge this year. Yeah, I think they have a chance. It reminds me though, guys, of last year. Remember how hot, hot the Bulls started? And um yeah, injuries killed yeah. the Bulls. Yeah, like how the hot and then they just tailed like with injuries, but just then they just went into a rut. So I just think like we have to be uh a little bit more uh a little bit calm, a little bit um patient on whether the Cavs are continuing because obviously we're we're seven games into the season. I like what the Cavs have bring to the table. I'm not crazy about their bench, but I think they have good role guys. I, I mean, I do like, you know, Love's playing, Dean Wade. I thought about a couple of plays on, you know, but um you have three or two and a half scores. Levert, I think, is a little inconsistent, although obviously you play the Celtics every night, he'd be an all-star. Um, <laughs> but um, and then I think the Mobley Allen combination is 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 lethal in terms of defensively or whatever. So they're a good young team, but it's all about maintaining that through a whole regular season. Right now they're hot. Um and I just I said before, like I think the Celtics defensively, like you know, you just can't give up. You can't let Garland get so comfortable so quickly. I just thought that change that was the tone of the game that changed everything. They put him behind, and then once Garland cooled off, then Mitchell got hot. And that you know, and I, I just think they have to look at some of the mistakes they made. You know, uh, Marcus Smart taking that. 17 footer continues to, uh, you know, Oh, I feel contact. I'm going to get the shot up. I don't know when the last time he's gotten that call uh, late in overtime where he Mm -hmm. just fired up, you know, just blowing, wasting possessions. Um, You know, sometimes ill-advised three pointers, you know, just because you're open, you don't have to fire it up. Um, You know, make the extra pass, you know, just things that I feel like they could have easily, very easily won that game and probably should have won that game. Um, I think they were up with 96, 92 and then allow like a, a seven, nothing run or whatever. And it was just like that, the, the, the ruts that they get offensively, the turnovers. Um, but the Cavaliers, I think are good. I think they're very, and they're, they're only going to get better, but you also have to bring maintain throughout a long regular season. Right. Let's see what, you know, with Cleveland go, what's happens when they go out West, what happens when they face, you know, the, the tougher opponents, can they win on consistently on the road um, without, you know, so I, 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 but I think Cleveland now to me is re- replaced pretty much like Brooklyn and maybe even Philadelphia as like number, a top three, you know, hmm. cause you put Milwaukee, if you yeah. want to include the Celtics in there, you can, um, we'll see what happens like with Atlanta uh, uh, and other teams, but I think Cleveland definitely top three right now. 
Gary, last thing I have for you uh, before we let you go, we got to talk a little bit about this, the the Celtics beat, whatever we call this thing, uh, Fantasy Hoops League. Uh, you're, you're bragging dragons, my man. Uh, they're they're 0-2. You're getting, you're getting creamed by Sean Devaney so far this week. A lot of week left. A lot of week left. But, yeah, man. Look here's... at my roster, man. No, Hold on here. No, but listen, pull up your roster. That's fine. But okay, here's this the. Is, this is the problem but, here. No, okay, I'll tell I'll tell you the problem. You can point to injuries, but I'll tell you the problem. If you just set your lineup on a daily basis, man, you be. Forget. Yeah, that's what I mean. You'd be, you'd be, you, you want to one week one. So you, you'd be one and one. And if you use your IR spots, put, you know, put guys on injured reserve and pick up a free, like you might be undefeated right now. Look, I got, you know, I got, who is it here? Kawhi hasn't played in a week now. Um, Put him on IR. Pick a guy up. Yeah. Like, I'm in trouble here. Well, my problem my problem is I got a bunch of guys that are day-to-day. So what am I supposed to do when, yeah. like, Joel Embiid is day-to-day? Am I not supposed to put Joel Embiid in my starting lineup? It's like Zion. Zion missed a week. Yeah. John Morant had missed, like, two games, both games in Utah with, like, a, you know, sickness, like, I, I'm, I'm just. I, I feel oh, Gary. This oh, one. by the way, I've been Simmons. You know, <laughs> I'm owing to. I'm owing to look for a trade. Get rid of Simmons. It's all. So yeah, I'll I'll try to make some. I'll try to make some improvements. That's right. We do. We just need you to set that lineup, that if nothing else. Better. That's right. Yeah, I got I got used to, to the daily grind. <laughs> That's right. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So yeah, I, 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 yeah, so that I felt for picking Anthony Davis because, like, it's you <laughs> sitting there in like the sixth round. I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, at some point, like somebody's going to take Anthony Davis, and I should have known better. I should have known better. <laughs> it's really going to bother me because I knew better, and it's, it's a bunch of guys on my team that I should have known better. But you know, we're, I just I don't know. My team, I, every fantasy team I'm in is just a nightmare. So that's why again, I, as I explained to Greeny last week. Like there's a reason why I passed on Tatum for Joel Embiid because my 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 just I've had the worst luck with fantasy and I could not burden Jason Tatum with that. <laughs> it was out of respect for the greater good with the Boston. Celtics. And Embiid's like in and out of the lineup right now, so perfect for me, you know. Uh, we're all day to day, aren't we? This show powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Next time Gary comes on with us, he's going to be riding like a three-game winning streak. You know, it's, he's going to yeah, be we'll going to be riding hot, man. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Well, we look forward to. Uh, I, I actually am in a in a deranged, twisted way, very much looking forward to Ime Odoka coaching the Brooklyn Nets, and in particular that introductory press conference and I, I i will be watching when it is televised locally and you are in the crowd asking questions i all the ones that we discussed here on this show i look forward to those being well asked anyway i don't know if they'll be answered but they'll be asked and uh you know we'll, we'll see what uh, what direction everything goes and hopefully the southers can put a little run together here too but uh gary thanks for hopping on as always man thanks a lot guys appreciate it All right, Gary Washburn, Evan Valenti, I'm Adam Kaufman. This has been Celtics Beat. Uh, Here's to more wins and more actual Celtics talk next show around. We'll see you.